Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Donnie Deutsch. And I got to tell you, I was so excited for this podcast because I've been a huge fan of Donnie for for years. So not only is he one of the leading branding mavens of our time, he was, of course, the chairman of Deutsch Inc., which he sold for hundreds of millions of dollars, then became, um, he had a show called The Big Idea with Donnie Deutsch on CNBC, which was the first real entrepreneurial show, I believe ever before Shark Tank. It was like before all of those shows and entrepreneurship became a whole industry in its own. Um, he of course, uh, spans a debt, like decades of incredible, incredible feats. He's become a familiar, outspoken political an- analyst on MSNBC. He regularly appears on the cable news network's most popular shows like Morning Joe and Deadline. Um, he hosts his own podcast, which I love, called On Brand with Donnie jo- Deutsch, that breaks down the biggest celebrity, corporate, and cultural brands of the moment to examine where current events, politics, and pop culture converge. It is one of the only podcasts that I actually listen to religiously. He is just, he is really, really smart. He's no nonsense. He's honest. And his perspective is always on the money to me. And I was just so thrilled to have the chance to to speak to him, pick his brain, and really kind of understand how he's had the ability to span a career that has been so successful, so, so successful, um, and keep his, you know, keep his finger on the pulse for so long. Uh, I should also say he also wrote two big business motivational books. One was called often wrong, never in doubt and the big idea, how to make your entrepreneurial dreams come true from the aha moment to your first million. This guy just, does it all, has done it all. Please enjoy this podcast, Donnie Deutsch, coming up. Well, first of all, I want to tell you also that your podcast is, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, On Brand with Donnie Deutsch, because first of all, I think every entrepreneur, every business person should be listening to that because you give such great insight. And that whole beginning part, when you do the whole on, you know, brands of the weeks and the ups and downs, sometimes if I don't even have time to listen to the whole interview part, that's like a great 10 minute, five minute thing. Yeah. So thank you. you Kudos. Yeah, the whole you know the whole premise of, of the of the podcast is that kind of everything and everybody is a brand today. You know, every company, every institution, every product, every politician, every athlete, every you know, your brand, I'm a brand. Anybody with a Facebook page is a brand, and a brand is a set of values. And what I do on the podcast is two things. I do a big interview with somebody about their own personal brand, and then as you said, I do my brands of the week, the kind of the companies, the products, the people that are up and down based on what's going on. So it's kind of fun. I'm having a good time with it, getting some great guests and, and really enjoying it. It's a, as you know, podcasts, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, well, I mean, they don't, they're just totally. acting on their own and you've got to keep grinding out, but it's fun. It's absolutely, I think people don't realize how much work it is to do it well, right? Like yeah. anyone could put on a, you know, a pair of headsets and, and start talking, but if you want to do a good job, you've got to do a lot of research. You've got to have sure. a lot of different moving parts happening. My qu- I, I can't even believe you're still even doing all of this because you've been around a long, like you were a pioneer, <laughs> you know, like you were doing this stuff before it was, I know it's like the right. backhanded compliments, but I don't mean it right. that way. Right. You had to show the big idea, which I was a massive fan of as well. Thank you. And and what is what is always great about your, your you and your perspective and why I think your podcast is excellent too is that 
you have an opinion. Like you don't just like, you're not a talking head of just blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. It's like you actually have a perspective and you're not afraid to be outspoken about it. And I think in today's time, even with, and this is kind of a segue into a question is that brands are so PC now because they're so scared of yeah. pissing somebody off. Yeah. You it's know? a different time. Yeah. Look, a thread through my career where when I was running my agency, Deutsch Advertising, I was always very outspoken, as you said, on the big idea. Now that I talk politics on MSNBC, uh, you know, I, I just like to kind of bring my point of view. And I, and, uh, I don't do it for effect or bombast. And I, I, I kind of come from the heart. And uh, But to your point about brands today, you know, there's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, they kind of have to be so careful of where they are not to alienate. And on the other hand, young people are demanding that companies take stands. You know, it's almost price right. of entry as far as where do you stand corporately on certain things. And, and uh, so companies used to be able to hide in the corner, you know, and when Black Lives Matter come out, mm-hmm. like not really comment. And now their audiences demand, well, where do you stand on this? You know, and and, and so it it's companies are kind of having to look a lot more at their conscience. Look, company's objective is their shareholder value and to build shareholder value. Mm-hmm. But as part of building shareholder value now, they've got to be connected, particularly with young people on certain issues or they're going to lose business. So they're not doing it as a moral imperative. They're doing it because it's good business. Absolutely. So where's the fine line then? Because then authenticity isn't actually that authentic, right? If you're doing it for a purpose or because there's a, uh, there's always like an angle to it actually. Right. So. Well, you could, without being cynical, there's an angle. Look, I'm not saying CEOs don't have their hearts in the right place and want to do the right thing. And obviously there are many different kinds of CEOs. Most of my experience with companies is that decent people are running them. Um, but they're building a wardrobe of uh, attributes to their brands and their businesses. And so I'm not saying it's cynical. It's just it's kind of is. Whereas years ago, you wanted to stay away from stuff. You, you know, you wanted to be apolitical because you didn't want to turn anybody off. Now, if you stay completely apolitical, you might turn more people off than, than you know. But I think what companies are doing is kind of staying on the right side of things that are pretty universal. You know, racial right. equality, voters' rights. You know, things like that. Uh, they get, you know, on, on things that are a little bit more uh, kind of uh, polarizing, maybe on Roe v. Wade or things like that. A company right, might, right, right. might not weigh in, but something like racial equality, you, be, you better be like, yes, I'm for racial equality. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, th- things like that that I'll just call are basic human te- tenets of, of human decency, you know. Absolutely true. But still, I think it's a very, it's a fine line. And if you say something, you know, just you misstep just a little bit, you can lose yeah. an entire, your, your customers, your, your followers, everything. There's well, such a fine line. It's, it's also an interesting with today's celebrity. It's interesting. I was just talking about my podcast today. Travis Scott, who did this huge deal for McDonald's and mm-hmm. also did this hard seltzer for, uh, I think it was Bush and Hazel Bush. And they just took it off because of what happened in his concert and they didn't handle it. So now the companies are aligning themselves so much more with celebrities, not just as endorsers, but as really integrated as business partners. You have that same issue with with who you're in bed with also. If they say the wrong thing, it will go the wrong way. So it's interesting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In every angle. I know when the whole political thing happened with Israel versus all that. You remember that a few months ago Mm -hmm. or in May, like a while ago? 
And um, I was very much about pro-Israel. And, you know, I was there. And, and a lot of my follow, you know, a lot of my friends and followers who have millions of followers, you know, mm -hmm. like 8 million, 9 million, 20 million were on the sidelines saying, good for you, you know, for standing up for what you believe in, but they on themselves wouldn't do it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you have to be so, and, and that to me is like then this whole, like everyone wants raw and authentic, but then if you're just too authentic, it kind of is, you're, you're kind of yes. off brand. Yeah, but I think so, today authenticity is something that, young, you know, every piece of research is about authenticity. Young people want to be, look, Donald Trump, who I loathe, the one, his <laughs> greatest attribute was the guy was authentic. And that's what people related to. I mean, what you saw is what you get. Uh, it was, he was what it was and say what you want about him. He is authentic and he's authentic, authentically evil and horrible, but, but there's an authenticity there. And I yeah. think to the point where a lot of people overlook everything else because it was, well, at least this guy says it like it is. And, you know, he's not watching his words and he doesn't sound like a politician. So that was a prime example of how authenticity can trump, no pun intended, a lot of other things. Right. No pun intended. And in fact, actually, even to that point, he is not, I mean, is he authentic? I mean, is he really the best businessman? I, I mean, his business was actually not even a real business. Well, no, it was he's a licensing not, business. But he's authentic in that he's a snake oil salesman, and that what you see is what you get. So it doesn't mean he's honest. Authentic, <laughs> authentic, and honest are not always the same thing. Okay, he That's was authentic true. in the critter that he was, and who he portrayed himself to be. So he was. You know, my business is this and this and this. He's he was PT Barnum. But I never use the word honesty when I associate it with him. He's authentic, authentically dishonest. Yes. You know what? I think there's a big distinction. And I think that people, I think they mistake, you know, basically they mistake those two words a lot, right? Yes. So then and let's get back to the brands then, because I'm actually kind of surprised that with all your experience and knowledge that you never actually had your own, besides your own personal brand, you never went and did a consumer product yeah. or... Interesting. I, you I know... know Maybe if, if, if I had to do it over again, I might have done that. You know, obviously I did it running an agency for years for other people. Right. Um, would have been interesting to do, just just somehow never got to it. Would you do it now? You know, it's interesting. You you made fun of my age before. Um, <laughs> I didn't make fun of I was actually complimenting you. Complimenting me. Yes, on, I, on I, the I, amount of, of, of greatness that you bring to 63. I was yeah, very, yes, very yes. flattering. Actually, well, let's tell your audience. You're telling me how handsome I was for 63. Let's you, get it out you there. Are. You know? I think they all know. They look at, they can see you for the, listen, I was telling my sister that you're coming on the podcast and she almost had like, she was like, like having a conniption because she's like, oh my God, I love him. How, old is, how old is she? She's she's older than I am, so yeah. she's like she must she's uh, fifty. Yeah, that's my wheelhouse, fifty to seventy five. Kind of like that's kind of where it's kind of where I live. Um, I was going to say know, my mom loves you too. By the yeah, way, yeah, mom, yes. There you go. I'm a big hit in Boca Raton. Let's put it that way. Okay. That's funny you say Boca Raton. So anyway, so go ahead. Yes. So um, I, you know, at a certain age, you you do you're more risk averse, and I don't know if I'd want to start launching a product right now you know i kind of love my the media space that i'm in and i play there but it would have been an interesting test it really would have been uh because obviously that's what i did my entire life you know right or even like a segue into like doing like a uh like a small fund where you're investing in small yeah. you know startups so do you do do you do that or i do i do that? i do a lot of investing yeah so, oh you do okay so. So have you had any big hits that like you thought, okay, that's going to be a winner and it was a loser? I don't have, that. I don't have that one like, oh my God, I am, you know, I, I was in the angel round of Amazon, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't, <laughs> no. But I'm just always playing and dabbling and seeing what goes on, you know. 
Yeah. So let's get back to the personal brand. So then in a, in a very busy market, right? Like everything is, there's so much noise, especially with social media. What do you think? How does a brand besides standing for something, how else can they stand out in a, such a busy market? Yeah. Um, well, first, uh, you, you have to go back a little bit, obviously you need to really define your set of values, who you are, what you're about and stay particularly as the world is so fragmented, to your point, you've got to be really consistent in your message because it is so all over the place. There are so many different architectures of which a brand kind of lays out there. Um, I, I think today, more than anything, it's it's this. It's You know what I mean? It is really granular. Uh, if I was was had a product today and I if, let's say I had a fashion product I don't know if I'd spend any dollars ever on traditional advertising I would I would be pure influencer right that, that, because look you have somebody that's got you know a, a million or two million followers by the way if somebody's watching Bravo they're probably not doing those numbers and the difference also is it's a passionate audience that's that's watching that's being influenced I mean it's just it is really it's, it's a phenomenon. So I, it, it's a buddy of mine, Steve Madden, we were talking about this and how the bag he gets for his buck when he hooks on, you know, he got Cardi B early on and whatnot. I mean, that, that that's the world today. I'm not telling anything your audience doesn't know. So where I started out when I was doing marketing and advertising, you'd start out, you'd start with the TV and then, the, you know, the radio and the magazine. And then eventually you get down to the more direct mail or internet based. And now the pyramid is switched and you kind of, for the most part, you're starting on top because that's look, young people are living on screens and, and that's it. Look, there'll always be content. So that's not changing. What's changing is the granularity in which, and the, and the bespokeness with which people consume media and it's got to be approached that way. There's, there's a very few places to get mass eyeballs anymore. Right. So are you saying that, you know, traditional media, how you used to do it is kind of obsolete now and that, or. It's not, well, the word, you know, traditional, I could put it another way. The traditional media now is, is digital media. You know I mean? What, so it's not, right. that it's, a, it's just the pyramid. It, it, it keeps shifting that every year, traditional media expenditures go down and, as, as, as part of the pie, at least, and versus, you know, untraditional, non-traditional, digital uh, media keeps going up and up and up. It's just, you know, look, if you, you, you're selling a Chevrolet to a 26-year-old, all you have to do is look at that person's habits. And, and are they ever sitting in front of a TV? No, if they are, they're streaming. Uh, right. They're, and they're on this all day. This is, you know, I get embarrassed sometimes. You ever look at the time you spend on this thing? Oh God, it's it's embarrassing. I agree with you. It's, it's a rabbit hole. It's embarrassing, but this is where your eyes are. Oh, so it's terrible. The only thing advertisers do is they follow eyeballs, and and that's it. And what's going to be very interesting now is is the metaverse, yeah. which is this kind of this new. It, it, it's and this is really upon us right now. Do you understand where, it? Because nobody yes, I know does. I, I kind of understand it. What it is is it's bringing social media and content and entertainment and the web kind of together. So for instance, you would, uh, if uh, I want to find the right example of what would be something that would happen in the metaverse, you would maybe if I were talking about Chevrolet, you would be virtually playing a game socially on there where you're actually driving the car and you feel the experience of the car 
and but you're interacting with other people. So it's where the web meets social media meets artificial intelligence and virtual intelligence. And that's kind of where that all thing comes together. I know you, your brain wants to explode. Yeah, you know? like I was reading this thing today, like Snoop Dogg did this deal for the with Metaverse for like, I think it was, it was like a $450,000 deal where he bought space of something. Yeah, And I, I literally, I just had to keep on scrolling because I was like this, and honestly, like every day there's something else. Well, the thing that I don't get, the NFT thing is just blows oh, my the NF- Oh, that's a whole other world. I was going to ask you about the NFTs. I, I mean, I, I, you know, it is, look, Oh. It is. Here's the way I explain NFTs. It is if enough young people, it's supply and demand. Yeah. And if 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 you it's two, you could call it tulips, or you could call it real, and you could call, call it crypto. That if enough people buy into it, and it's so it is in the most simplistic form. I collect art, and if we move my camera over here, you'd see. I'm going to sound like an asshole. You'd see some original Andy Warhols over there. Oh wow! Can you move your camera? I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually can't. Um, the Damn. difference is it's it's on there, whereas on an NFT, you buy an original that just lives digitally. And But what I don't understand about it is some of the, like, you know, Gary, have you had Gary Vaynerchuk on your show? I've had him on, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Gary's yeah. a buddy of mine, I have him on my show. And, like, yeah. he's doing these, like, scribbles that are going out there and selling for 400. Like, it, it, it's, and he's really smart. He gets a, uh, a royalty on everything. He does. That guy, you got to give it to that guy. I interviewed him on my Big Idea show years ago, and I was, like, Okay, who is this yutz? You know, and yeah. he's, he's really exactly. he's really built something pretty special. You know, no, it's crazy. I used to do like the Today Show years ago as like uh, like a health and fitness correspondent, and sure. he was in the green room with me. This was like like you know two two lives ago. Yeah, and he was in like the the green room, and he was selling and hawking wine back then. That's what he did. Yeah, he was. That's how I originally had on my old show. He was he he was doing he he was one of the first people to sell wine online. You know, so right. What what Gary's strength is is that he just sees the the next thing, and so whether it's, it's NFTs, whether it's social media, whatever it is, he tends to get there first, and he's a visionary guy. You got to give it to him. Yeah, that that he's good at for sure. Um, but what I what I'm still you know let's even let's say we start like we talk about digital marketing because that's of course where everything's going. Even with that, right? Like every brand I feel knows that already. Like, yeah, okay, we need to be like spending our time sure, on, course, on digital yeah. marketing and social media and then getting mm-hmm. influencers and now TikTok and this sure. talk and that talk. But again, like it's still very hard to like stand out. And also it's expensive. Like let's sure. not kid ourselves. I mean, traditional media is very expensive, but to do digital media very well and these influencers and, and celebrities, they're not cheap. I mean, there's still millions yeah. of dollars, right? So I'll give you the answer and how you stand out. And it's actually no different than I would give it if we were talking about t- traditional media 20, 30 years ago, is you have to have great human stories and be able to relate to people in really fresh, creative ways. I mean, that's right. what, what, what content is king. So it's no different than the math. What made a TV commercial stand yeah. out 30 or 40 years ago? Something that either entertained you, informed you, uh, made you laugh, made you cry, taught you something. And it's the same thing. It's, it's how much are you giving the viewer? Uh, what are you giving them? Are you giving mm-hmm. them a laugh? Are you giving them? So it, it's, uh, and so I think it's still great human stories and human insights well told. Now it's just in a, in a different form. And like, how much do you think also is luck? Like where, where does luck play into this? You know, every successful person who has any sense of, reality to self will be able to say luck is definitely a part of it. 
you 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 got to you know you've had a happy break. but you also create your own breaks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, luck is the residue of hard work and I forgot what the saying is. So you know, you always opportunity, you need, you lot, reads, yeah. wherever that wherever the fuck right, right, yeah, yeah. I know but, where you're going. I know where you're but, going. But you know, it's one thing I learned with my old show. Uh, the big idea was. Every uber successful person I interviewed from Bill Gates on down, you know, had the same, you know, what are the keys to success? And they pretty much have the same answer. First of all, find something you're passionate about, you know, you, passion, passion, passion. So where your work is not your work, it's your play. Uh, you can't be afraid of failure. Surround yourself with great people, um, you know, and just never give up. And, and it, 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 it is, there's no magic formula, but yes, sometimes luck does shine down on you and that's not a terrible thing. Right. I think luck is, I think, I mean, I think that it would be, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of an ignorant thing to think that luck is not a piece of it. Right. Because yes, of course you make your own opportunities and you have to like, you have to also put yourself in the right places. you got to like know the right people. I think when people are not honest about that, it, I, mm-hmm. I think it's like a disservice. Right. I think a lot of it is like, connections, networking, knowing how to navigate those relationships. I think a big part of, and this is my opinion, I know you're the guest, but I'd like to know what you think about the whole, like the whole thing about the networking, the connections, the, all of that, like how, number my question is how important is it? And how do you start to do that if you don't even have a, a jumping off spot? Yeah. Well, define what you mean by networking. Well, I think a lot, I think, I think no success is just in, you know, kind of isolation, right? It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of like steps and, 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 sure. and this led to that. I mean, in my, a lot of the things that I've ever done, I was not starting to do that. I was doing something totally different, but I was super curious and so always wanting is, to know. The answer is I used to have a sign. I was just do when in doubt, do. Because right. one thing will learn to another, just, just fucking do, you know, I don't want to do that. Just do it. Nike slogan, but it's yep. like. Do. It's true. You know, it's like what, you know, and I always talk about the, the, the uh, failure, why you have to embrace failure. And I do, when I used to give motivational speeches, I would do this little exercise where I'd say, I want to teach you something about failure. Okay. And I'd, I call, uh, I go to the audience. I go, is there any single women out there? Okay. I don't know if you <laughs> politically today, correctly do that, right. And I'd say, come on up. We're going to do a, we're going to do a little pantomime role play. And then she'd come up on stage and say, let's pretend we're at a coffee shop. And you're sitting over there and I'm over here and I'm going to come up to you. I'm going to say, I'm so sorry to bother you. You're having a cup of coffee. You seem like a wonderful young person. Wonderful woman. I'd love to sit down and buy you a cup of coffee. And I say, when I ask you that, tell me no. Okay. So we set it up and I walk over. I go, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And she goes, no, thank you. And I soak back to my chair. (laughs) And you've watched me crash and burn and fail. But the irony of the story is I'm no worse than had I not done it. You know what I mean? And like, it, it was, it was an ultimate, just win-win situation. That's what so much is. So just do like, by the way, just by doing that, maybe I would have had a date and by not doing it, I was no worse than had I not that like, you know, there was, so, so just do, just do. I know. And the, and the, I agree. I totally agree. And the hardest part for people is in that start. Like the stop is always in that start, right? Like to, to say, just do to me, damn, right. I'm going to be, I, I have no problem because that's my, my inner drive and fire. Right. Yeah. Can you give that to somebody who doesn't like, do you think drive and fire and all these things are more innate? Can you, can you teach that? Can you learn that? I don't know. Drive and fire is pretty innate. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. you can teach tools. Um, You can, you know, I, I think if you look at, 
if you watch study, you know, little children playing in a playground or in, in you be able to say, okay, this, this kid's more driven than that one or right. more, I don't say aggressive because that's not the right. More word. of a leader than the other yeah, one. Yeah. You just see, you know, it was interesting. My mom used to always say that she'd look out in the, in the, in the streets. Cause that's when the kids played in the streets. And yeah. she said, I was always in the middle and I was always organizing and you're I was aging always, yourself, Donnie. It's not so, me. You're doing so it. Something yeah. tells me you were the same kind of, per- where'd you grow up by the I way? I was. And in Canada, I grew oh, up okay. in, uh, yeah, I'm Canadian, but I live now in LA, but yes, I, if you grew up in Canada, that would make you Canadian. I could yes. Put, I, yes, that is. Well, true. I was going to say, actually, I'm from Winnipeg originally. I, you probably don't even know what that is. Yes. I, uh, I know what Winnipeg is. Of course the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, exactly. And then I moved to Toronto for school and for work. And then I migrated to LA and you know, okay. that's the, that, the rest is history, but I did play in the streets like you. Good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that doesn't happen too much anymore. And not at all. Okay, so your mom would come get you when you played in the streets, and then what would happen? No, she would say she would what she would always say. I was the one in the middle organizing, and you know, in the, oh, doing all the things. Yeah, you know, yeah. just uh, she would t- tell this th- these stories today to anybody that would listen about what a wonderful little boy I was. You know. Oh, that's I'm what, sure. That's well, you're Jewish. Well, well, especially Jewish it. moms. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because, you know, we call that like, you know, my mother would always say to me, you're such a going concern. That would be what that would be the word like, oh, that girl's such a going concern because you're always moving and doing. I'm sure you were the same. And look at you now. Like what I find so interesting is that you don't have to be doing this, right? Like you don't have to be having this podcast. You don't have to be doing all these other things that you're doing. You've sold your company for hundreds of millions or 250 or what was how much did you sell that company for? It was between two fifty and three hundred, and that was two thousand. That was in the year two thousand. That's, that's when that was real money. You know, no, I, I know that's like the equivalent to like a billion dollars now or more. I mean, this is what I'm I don't saying know about that. But well, no, I was going to say that this is like back when like dinosaurs were walking yes, around. I mean, yes, yes. this is a whole different thing. And so at that place, you have now you have like you had or you do you have like real like fuck you money. You don't have to be pursuing and pushing. Why do you feel that you're doing that? Is it just because it's part of you or? You want to, you want to, what do you, I mean, when I, you can't go visit your money. You know, I, that's why I always say to people, if you're thinking about having a capital event or monetizing your business, don't do it for the money. Do it because you are ready to do something else or you're bored or because you can't go visit money every day. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, it just, you, you, and if you love what you do, that's a lot to give up. So, right. um, uh, it just, uh, I, I want to keep, I, I feel like I'm just getting started. I want to do the next thing. I want to, you know, so I've had all these projects and I want to continue to do them. And I want to do it. The difference, what I'm finding with people my age now is they want to work, but they want to work on their own terms. You know, <laughs> like I couldn't, if somebody handed me my ad agency back, I would say, no, thank you. Because if I had to hang up, if I had to get done doing, doing this with you, Jen, and then get on a plane and go to Dallas and sit with a client and talk to them about, you know, their you know, tacos or whatever I'd be talking to about. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it at this stage. So, you know, that's right. That's, that's where the fuck you money comes in. Well, that's exactly true. I want to ask you about what you do all day, but for, hold on. So then what does like, what is that motivation? Is it like you're trying to prove something to yourself or is it like, where does that like inner drive and I think to just desire? Because we from? all want to feel relevant and vital and, and we're accomplishing and growing and learning. I think that, that, you know, I don't, I love when people say, Oh, you could be playing golf all the time. Like, why do I want to play golf all the time? You know, right. I, mean, I don't like to, I, you know, I grew up where work to me was, 
when I was on vacation, I wanted to get back to work. Work was, and I always say to people, if, if you're doing the right thing, Friday nights are no different than Sunday nights. You know, I used to love, I probably, when I was building my company over 30 years, took a grand total of six or seven weeks of vacation total, only because I, I didn't want to wow. be anyplace else. Now, that didn't do well for my personal relationships, you know. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and it's no coincidence that I had kids later in life, but I, that's what I wanted to be. There was no place I'd rather be. Wow. So what do you think, like how, what were the strengths that you brought that you were so, you were able to build? It was your dad, your dad, dad started start, it. Look, I was very fortunate. I went in, my dad had a business. I had a business to start with. Uh, it was a smaller business and with a group of people, we were able to scale it. But I had, you know, to me, starting something from nothing is always harder than scaling. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't think I could have done what he did. And he, he'll, he's not alive anymore. He used to say he didn't think he'd do what I did. So we were a great team. He was my best friend. And we worked together for about seven or eight years. And um, the way we were able to build it was it, the formula is simple, find great people. Um, I had you know, the best people wins uh, in a business. So I always surrounded myself with people smarter than me. And we were bold and we took chances and we worked our asses off and we kind of became the agency for a lot of years, you know, agency of the year by ad age and ad week. And we were kind of the place for about a decade that, you know, agencies go through cycles. We were mm -hmm. kind of the, the it place for in the, I would say in the early 2000s and, you know, the 2000, 2010 or about that. And um, so we had a lot of fun. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. So there's no messing around when it comes to my hair and there is no one size fits all. I have curly, long, thick hair. I can't be using the same product as someone with very thin, fine hair, right? And that's why I am so happy that I found pros because they have a personalized, customized product routine that I just like live by. I can honestly say I've never been more in love with my hair. They make custom hair care that's super effective because it's really personal to what your hair actually needs. They use all natural ingredients with proven results. And when I tell you they customize a the program, they customize the program. You have to take a quiz and they ask you questions that you would never even think of. How often you exercise, like what your day is like. I mean, they're not leaving anything out. So even what you eat is one of the questions. I mean, it was amazing, but I got to tell you, it really works. My hair gets super frizzy if I'm not careful. And since I've been using pros, they're, they're, I think it's the custom, it's a curl cream that is just the bomb. So I'm telling you guys, you have to take this quiz. Pros is this healthy hair regime and it has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash hustle. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash hustle for your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. What was the pivotal moment or do you remember the top, the, the, the client or the, the pivotal moment where your agency just kind of took off? I would say there were plateaus in my career where <clears throat> we won Ikea, which was a very big account for us. And we mm. did a lot of controversy. Got hired by Bill Clinton to be part of his advertising team. That was a plateau. We won Bank of America. You would keep winning kind of like benchmark accounts. And the Clinton thing was a big thing because for a year or two after that, 
you'd walk into every client, you go, well, you know, the president hired us, you know, to do his advertising. And what else do you, what else do you need to say? Nothing. As a I credential, mean, you know, and especially because Clinton was so popular at that point, And it oh. would be, it'd be like saying you got Obama elected. Not that I got Clinton elected. We just, we worked, did advertising for him. But, uh, no, you're right. I think so that's it, very it, true. It, there was different calling cards along the way. You know, it was, um, and then what I also learned is that the bigger we got, the easier it got. You know, I found, you mm-hmm. know, found that momentum. Not only momentum is you you were pre-sold, you know, you'd walk in, you didn't have to prove yourself as much. And I found that if I had a hundred million dollar client, it took the same amount of work as a two million dollar client, and you just make a lot more money. It was oh, the same, you're doing the same. If anything, sometimes the bigger clients took less work and less sweat than some of the smaller clients. So I found as we scaled, it the the it, the the business got. I don't say easier because it's never easy. My job got easier. What was your job in the agency? Were you just because were you the business development guy? Were you the idea guy? What was, was your role? I was the spiritual epicenter of the agency. Um, there was used to there was a, <laughs> I like that spiritual a, epicenter. All there right. was a great show. I'm going to date myself again. The theme of this interview <laughs> is I'm talking to a really old fucking guy. Uh, remember the show Thirty Something? Oh, oh my god, okay. I love that show. Okay, that was course. like the first kind of yuppie show. Yeah, and there was an ad guy, the the head agency guy that the two characters totally. worked for, was a guy named Miles Drentel. And somebody said, Miles, what what do you do? He goes. I'm an enzyme. I just cause reactions. You know, <laughs> so, that's a great line. What I did, you know, I had a very unusual combination in that I had both a very strong business sense and was great at pitching and and you know managing clients, and I also had a, a great creative eye and could spot creative talent and and you know when you have those two, you know, if you look at most really successful leaders of creative companies, whether they're movie studios, TV networks, uh, you know, a, a computer company or, or you know, they, they have both. They have that. They're they're not just bean counters and they're not just kind of marketing visionaries, whatnot. They they tend to have both sides of the brain work. A guy like Elon Musk, I don't know him, but there's both sides going on there. You know, Steve Jobs had both sides going on there. And not to compare myself to those guys, but when you're running a creative enterprise, the most successful ones have both of it. And I was very fortunate to have that. Who was your first one? When you came, when you first started with your, with, with your dad's company, who was the first big client you brought in? The first big client and they weren't, I mean, they weren't big now to me, they were big back yeah. then. And I, I've written about this a lot. It was the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut Pontiac dealers association. They, in those days that used to, let's say they're in addition yeah. to the national advertising, there would be a hundred dealers in the tri-state area and they would have their own advertising budget. You advertise, you do all this local crazy dealer stuff. And that was like our first TV account. And in hindsight, it would now would be a tiny, tiny account, but it was a big account then. And I kind of pitched it and won it. And um, that was kind of the, my beginning. It was uh, the tri-state Pontiac dealers. So we'll never forget oh. them. Oh, wow. And then from that, who was the second one, really? Because it was because your first one, someone saw it, and then that probably was the beginning, right? I think we got um, a piece of Samsung, and then Ikea after that, uh, a couple of years later. And then from Ikea, we just kind of... Of course, Ikea, in every country they went into, would always kind of pick the du jour, hip, up-and-coming agencies. So you kind of got... And we beat right. Shite. We beat a lot of very high-profile agencies for that. So you get you get a lot of attention. There's certain clients. It's like when Nike hires you. You know, I mean, there's certain kind of. I don't know if it's that much anymore that Kia, but when they were first coming to this country, they were seen as a very prestigious, super creative ad account. Did you ever work on things like Nike or anything like that that are like kind of? 
really um, had like her no who are known for their uh marketing I never had a Nike. Uh our agency, I wasn't doing it as it was Deutsche LA. We did Volkswagen for years and did a lot of very, very well known spots and, and they do Taco Bell now. I never had that client where I would say it was the most you know, I never had a Nike or there weren't a lot of Nikes that you know, but we had great clients along. And like, so how did you, so what, after you sold it and you became then like a media person, like right away, like I really kind of knew about back then it was like, now I'm aging myself. I knew about you because of then, because of that, I knew about your agency because you were kind of all over the place. Then you were, yeah, I was always, it was interesting. The way I got into media from advertising was very organic. When I was in the agency business, I was kind of the go-to interview. You mentioned it today. Show. Yeah. Today show, I wanted to talk to somebody advertising to talk to me. So I was always doing interviews. And every time I do an interview, I kind of got off. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I really like it. And the producer or the interview go, you're really good at this. You should do this. So when I sold my company, I was like, let me try and my hand in this. And I got an agent and I got a pilot at CNBC and it turned into that show. And then we went from there. And I've had, I've had different iterations of my television career. I, I, I had the big idea for five years on, on CBC. For the last 11 years, I've been on Morning Joe and MSNBC, covering yeah. the politics. I had a short-lived, I actually wrote an, a scripted comedy where I started in called Donnie, which was like a Curb Your Enthusiasm. I played a fictionalized version of myself. Oh, I love if that. I must say, it was brilliant. Anybody go on Apple, to go, go get it on Apple TV. It was just one season. It was on... The problem was it ended up on USA Network and it was appointment mm. TV. It needed to be on a streaming service. It was too sophisticated and insight. But if you ever want to fucking laugh, Donnie exclamation point, going up, there are six episodes. It uh, It's probably the best thing I've ever done. I'm I've really- heard you mention that before. I actually want to do that because a lot of time, a lot of times it's timing, I think, right? Like you, you were ahead of your time with the big idea. I think today, like, you know, you're right. I was, that was ahead of Shark Tank. You, you were ahead of Shark Tank. Exactly. Fact, when the big idea ended, Mark Burnett called me and did I want to be, it was called Dragon's Den in England. Yeah. Was, in Canada. You know, in Canada. Bringing it over here. Do you want to be a shark? And I was like, I felt I'd done the entrepreneur thing. I felt if I did that, that would be locked into that forever. You know, I didn't want to be that, you know, that, that I wanted just a lot of, to do a lot of other things. But yeah, we were, we were the first thing that kind of mass marketed entrepreneurship. You know, I mean, it was, it was a really passionate show. And to this day, people stopped me on the street and it was, it, it was, a, and, you know, it, it would still be on except the financial crisis happened. Right. And they started running business news at night and it was very hard to tell people to go for their American dream. It was a once every hundred year news story. So, but it was a, it was a wonderful show. And as I said, it was a precursor to Shark Tank. It, we used to do a, 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 a segment on the show called the elevator pitch. Yeah, I know. We, we would have three people come in and pitch to a, a panel of three people. They would each have two minutes to make the pitch. I, I mean, Shark Tank, you know, I mean, it was there. We, we were there. It's brilliant. So, and and the the show Donnie, I don't know if it was ahead of his time. It was we weren't able to sell it to a street. Look, the smarter the show, the less relevant it is to appointment TV. Nobody watches TV when it's on anymore. That's why broadcast TV is incredibly dumbed down. And yeah, any exactly. super smart show, high minded show, is on a streaming service, whether it's Amazon Absolutely. or Apple, or, you know. Um, and we weren't able to sell it to them. USA, which is the hugest cable network, bought it, which was still a win. But it was on Tuesday nights at 1030 and they, they just judge the ratings on who watches it. So I would have like best friends that say six weeks later, oh, I can't wait to watch your show. I'm so psyched. But that's not the way it gets judged on broadcast TV. So it was in the, it was in the wrong place. But your audience, I will tell you this, Donnie exclamation point, go on Apple, 
go bring it up. You will fucking laugh your ass off. It is. I play a sleazy talk show host. It's shot in my home and it's, it's based on my real life, but a very exaggerated, you know, everybody always thought I was an asshole. So I start to play an asshole. You know what I mean? I kind of play the perceived percept, perceived perception. What a lot of people perceived of me. And it was just, as I said, I don't want to compare myself to Larry David because he's in another metaverse, but it was that same formula where he's playing a fictionalized version of himself, but there's a lot of him in it. I love those types of shows. I, I'm actually going to, I, I've mentioned, you've, I've heard you talk about that before and I just never really got around to it. But, you know, do you remember, you know, the, well, you know, family ma- family guy, right? You know, Seth McFarlane did that. You know, I don't remember the exact details, but I re- what I do remember is that show, when it first came out, it was fine. It didn't really kind of hit. And then they brought, they resold it someone else or somewhere else a couple of years later and it became like a really big, Hit. Sure. I don't remember all the details, but like, why can't you bring back the big idea or Donnie explanation point and try to like redo it? It's not, it's not unheard of for that to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I could, um, have you tried? I haven't tried. I wouldn't want to do the big idea. I kind of did that. Donnie, I'd like to do a little bit more of, I just don't know if, it, if I'll be able to do it, but that's not a bad idea. But yes, to get second lives, you know, it's interesting in these day and age, Seinfeld never would made it past the first season. The ratings were abysmal. Terrible. Uh, and they right. to find it. So it's, it's, it is a different world today. And you have so much when you speak about that show. And this isn't the first time because I heard you many times talk about Donnie Explanation Point. And you're so passionate. Like you, it, it kind of like brings yeah. you to life. You're so yeah. energetic and you really, really are proud of it. Like yeah. you, sh- no, you should try uh, to do I, something I, with it. I should try to do something with it. Okay. You, you've inspired me, Jen. We're going to we're gonna take another swing at that. I'm serious. I'll help you. And I also okay. think you can also put it on like YouTube. There's so many things you can do to yeah. kind of get it out there to the, to the masses, because like you said, I think entrepreneur, all your stuff is so you said you didn't want to be, you turned down the shark tank because you didn't want to be so niche, but at the same time, and it, you're the expert, is it kind of, don't you kind of get more success when you have a niche? You can't yes. be everything to everybody. Yes. You could, if somebody, if I was handicapping my career now, Right. I could say because it, it's like I said, I talk politics and I love doing it. And I had a Saturday night political show on MSNBC. But no, had I stayed entrepreneur boy in a, I probably could have built another empire. I would like, I totally, just, I, I, I don't know. It just wasn't turning me on that much, you know? And it's you're just good like, at it. I thank you. I love talking politics a lot more. Um, I love the entertainment space a lot more. I found it very repetitive. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I had done it for five years. I loved having a show. It was a nightly show, and I kind of loved the platform of that and whatnot. But I didn't get super turned on. I was super turned on running my agency. I was super turned on doing my Donnie show. I got super turned on talking about politics. I didn't – for some reason, it didn't – I I found it redundant, and I I just – I don't know how to put it any other way. You know? Well, yeah, because you're doing it. It's monotonous if you're doing it every single night with every single brand. Like, you know, I just came back from a work thing in Miami and like I was at night, you know, Shark Tank was, you know, they do like those uh, marathons. So on like 20 times. Yeah, uh-huh. and I love that show. But then by the sec, by the third night, I've watched so many episodes. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. It's like, how many people can I hear walking in there and doing yeah. their whole like sharks? Do you want, I mean, it does every, like, and it's the same, it's very formulaic, but 
you know, at the same time, if you can switch it up and not do it so often or because you're doing this podcast, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, you're going up and yeah, down with the brands. A, and the podcast. Yeah, it is. It, it, the, it does get redundant. You know, I'm almost, <laughs> how, how long am I into this now? About eight months. And it's fun. I, I enjoy the talking to the guests. I get, I just have a, yeah. an incredible range of guests from Michael J. Fox to Dennis Leary to Don Lemon to Hunter Biden, Al Franken, you know, Joe Scarborough, uh, Chris Christie, you know, I mean, just everybody, of course, from politics and, and entertainment and media. And I just enjoy it. I really, really do. Why don't you run for, it sounds like you like, again, like the Donnie explanation point, not to be your therapist, but it sounds like you get such like, again, you become, you become alive when you talk about politics. You should be, maybe you should run for the mayor. Or you run know, for I've, president talked, or, I've talked about running for mayor and there, there've been uh, articles, you know, I've been quoted talking about it. Um, right now, I didn't, take this last run because I really didn't think at this point they're going to elect a wealthy older white guy. Mm -hmm. I don't say that with any, um, but you're right. Negativity or, or, or bitterness. I just, it's just not what the times, you know, call for right now. Right. But I also just really don't know if I want to put my family through it. You know, it just, it just, I haven't done anything terrible in my life, but I'm an easy target and, you know, I was single a lot of my life and, and I, I, I <laughs> yep. just, you know, I, I just don't know if I, I, I think I would, I would just be putting myself too much through stuff. I, I just, at, at this point, I, I think you have to really, that's, that's why, unfortunately, so many people from the private sector, so many great people, mm -hmm. I mean, we could line up and we come up with a thousand people. That why don't they, you know, and if you've been running a company for a lot of years and you've been interacting with tens of thousands of people, um, you know, you, you just, you kind of go, do I, do I need that trouble? You know, so for those combinations, it wasn't, it just wasn't the right time for me. How many times have you been married? Twice? Three times? Married twice. Twice. Oh, okay, twice. That's not crazy. No, it's not a so what happens in between them? <laughs> I know. I just say that's a whole other conversation. But, exactly. Um, no, nothing. As I said, not you know. Um, uh, by the way, why are you drinking? Not why are you drinking that? Because that's why you're probably having some stomach problems. There's a lot of aspartame in, in that sparkling ice. I drink a little. I don't know. It was what was. I'm going to send you this. You're going to you're going to start drinking drink this. It's uh, nice a water. Packaging. What is yeah, it? isn't it nice? It's called BLK. It's a water brand, but it has fulvic minerals and a lot of antioxidants and it comes in flavors and it's much healthier than what you're drinking. Is it always dark like that? It's always black. Yeah. That's really interesting. It has, yeah. Cause it's fal uh, fulvic minerals have, um, that's actually black. genius because on the one hand you go, okay, black. So it's not, it doesn't seem very thirst quenching, but on the other hand it says, wow, there must be a lot of good stuff in here. It's black. I mean, you know, very interesting, very interesting marketing. I salute their name, their packaging and everything. Really? Okay. I'm gonna, coming from you, that's a that's high praises right there. Yeah, I'm going to cool. send you a box of this. I don't okay, or, or ten because you should not be like not no okay. no shots against that, but yes, maybe okay. that's where the indigestion is coming from. Okay. I feel like a Jewish mother, and I've known you there like you ten go. minutes, but there that's besides go. the point. Well, thank you. Um, okay, where was I? Um, oh yeah. So then, how about how about other people or personal brands? Like, is someone like an Adele, right? Who Time after time, she hits it out of the park and people are just like obsessed with her, right? She comes up with an album. It's like number one before it's even out. Um, yeah, is she very talented? Yeah, she's super talented. I'm not taking anything away from that, but there's a lot of talented people. Mm -hmm. So when someone, is she, it, what makes some people, you know, kind of have that thing that like kind of stands the test of time over and over again? While I think in the case of Adele, I actually do think she has one of those. There, every... 
every, you know, I would say over the years, there's Whitney Houston, there's Barbara Streisand, there's certain voices that mm-hmm. are like okay, voices of angels, you know, they're just, just that, that are just right. Okay. They're just that. And I think in her case, it, it is that. I don't think she's been a pop sensation that's created. I think she just has one of those every 10 year voices in, in that case. Uh, what makes some of the other ones pop? What makes an Ariel Grande pop? Good management. Uh, like in that case, you go, okay, there's 500 girls who look, not to minimize her at all. Who look no, like but her, it's who, the truth. Who, right, right, right. And a lot of that is management. And a lot of that is, you know, she's managed by Scooter Braun who also um, manages um, Justin Bieber. So, you know, there's a formula and you get the right people. And But but obviously she had something to have Scooter Braun drawn to her in the first place. So, you know, for every act like Tom Cruise, is Tom Cruise a good actor? Yes. Are there a thousand guys just as handsome who could act just as well who didn't make it? Yes. I think a lot of times the people themselves are pretty smart and clever. And they figure it out. They figure out a formula. He figured out which agent to be with. He figured out who to network with. You know what I mean? So wasn't that he's not talented and doesn't deserve the fame and fortune that he has. It just he probably was a little bit more clever than the other thousand Tom Cruise likes, if you will. Right. So then that comes back to that whole like navigating the system, being clever, all of that. Yeah. So how what's the so how much of it's talent versus all the other variables that come it's, into play. It's all of the above. I, I mean, I, I don't think I could kind of break it down. You you, you got to start with the talent. You can't fake it. It's something's got to be there. You know, there's, there's never been a great actor out there who can't act. You know what I mean? There are movie stars that can't act, you know? Uh, right, 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 right. They have, but they have something else. They have a telegenic quality that you can't take your eyes off them. Or, you know, I mean, there's, there's sometimes people just have an it thing. It's just, sometimes people have an it thing in business. You know, it's just, it's, 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 that special charisma, call what you want. It's that special quality that draws people to you. Do you see any emerging brands or things that you think are who, who are people that you think are doing it really, really well now? Or, or where do you feel like do you just, I know you do your brand of the week and all that. Um, by the way, do you research that like every single week? Like how much uh, you must be reading constantly. I have a researcher that helps me that does okay. a lot of the research for me, uh, and breaks, puts a lot in front of me and then I kind of edit it down. This is a lot. Yeah. There's a lot in there Tons. and it's just, it, it takes, it takes a lot to research it and it takes a lot to go through it. Cause you know, we usually start with about 50 and I cut it down to about 20 and it's usually about a 15, 20 minute monologue and, you know, I just kind of rip through it. So it's kind of cool. Um, do I see any brands particularly now doing it, you know, better than others? Um, you know, you know, it's, it's the, it's the brands that are dominating the world. It's, it's, it, it, it's Amazon. It's, it's Facebook. It's, it's Netflix. Yeah. It's Tesla. It's, it's look, there are six companies that, that's, that, uh, amount to 15% of the S and P, you know, six yeah. companies, you know, and, and they're driving, you know, that, you know, Amazon is a brand that is beyond comprehension and where it's, and what happens is now versus in the past, these brands, these companies that are, have a core competency that now have built up so much net worth in their market cap in their cash reserves, they can morph into anything they want. So it's not only like, so Amazon doesn't have to worry about the next Amazon they're worrying about, okay, I want to be the first ones in artificial intelligence or whatever it is. It's like it right. becomes, becomes what do I do with, with the value of my company versus how do I just better deliver packages to people? And you can't catch up. For instance, Amazon 
wants to all of a sudden uh, go into streaming NFL games. NBC can't. <laughs> they just did that. That's it. So it's not that all of a sudden they're going to be better at it. They have a bigger war chest to play in any game they want. And that, you know, that's why you get, you hear a lot of talk about antitrust and not least because companies get so big, you know, when a company's okay, Disney's worth, I'm making this up a hundred billion and uh, Amazon's worth 1.8 trillion. So if they want to just kind of basically take Disney's business away, they can do it. It's just like, and, and they'll do it. They'll take Monday night football from them, whether it's not this cycle or the next cycle. And whoever has football, that's where the eyeballs will go. So all of a sudden, you know, so now all of a sudden Amazon and Apple are movie studios, you know, guess what? We have enough money to buy content. So, so it's, it's basically, and that's why Apple will go into cars. We have consumers. Our business is our consumer. What can we do with our war chest to just continue to dive down deep with those consumers and expand our consumer base? And the sky's the limit. There's no limit. By the way, banking, call it what you want. You know, if Amazon wanted to, and they already are, Amazon wanted to be bigger than Citibank in, in financial services, they could because of the eyeballs they have going in. Right. The bandwidth I have. So then, okay, let's stop with all this. I want to get to the important stuff. Like, what do you do all, and what do you do every single day from your, what's your routine, morning to night? Like, yeah. I want to know everything, what you eat, how you okay. exercise, right. what you're doing, what books I you're reading. You know, it's interesting. I don't. I don't work 24-7 anymore. I have a, a, a different kind of life. I'd say two to three days a week, I do television, uh, MSNBC. I go to the studio. I do it here. And I prep Where do you that. live? Are you in I New York? On, I'm in Upper East Side of New York, yeah. Oh, you are? Okay. I live in a townhouse. And I will. I prep for that. That takes an hour or two. Um, I work out twice a day. Twice uh, a day? I, you do t- you do twos? Okay, I do, so... I, I do cardio, and I do... Here comes a good shape we're in here. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you can, I show off guns, you know? You Love it. Um, okay, wait, stop right there, because now you're talking my wheelhouse, okay? So yeah. you do t- you do twice a day, so you I would do say, cardio... I, I would say five days a week I do twice a day. I do cardio late in the day, and I do my weights in the morning. Uh, you do, usually, oh, you do the weights in the morning first to get yeah, it done? Yeah, I just that's just the way my system... I, I, I could switch it, it's just not it's the way I do it. I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. I go to a diner around the corner and I have five scrambled egg whites with onions and one piece of seven ring toast. For lunch, I have sashimi every day. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Okay. What time do you wake up in the morning? I usually wake up one morning a week. I wake up at five because I'm doing morning Joe. If I do it in the studio at six, I'd say the average is probably 730, 7.40, 7.45 when I wake up. Uh, I'm not like okay. a super early riser, you know? Okay. Um, and do you eat breakfast first and then work out? Or do you first yeah, work I, out? I eat breakfast. Yeah, I eat breakfast. I, I go to the diner at that point. Um, and But wait, 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 wait. You're way too fast. I'm right, taking notes, okay? okay? So first of all, so do you, do you, why do you go to the diner and not just make it at home? Isn't it easier because it's more it, efficient? It is easier. I actually have, have somebody here that they could make it for me. I like just... Get, I like getting out as soon as I, I like putting my sweats and just going out. Uh, and doing and I like, routine. and I like the, and it's a really interesting diner. It, it's called the three guys diner. And I'd say three out of four mornings, Steve Martin is there. Uh, Tom Selleck is there a lot. It's just, and everybody keeps to themselves. Like, I don't even have to say anything to the waiter. He knows what I want. You know, I love um, that. Yeah. It's just, it's just the kind of routine. I'm a creature, a real creature habit. Me too. Um, I usually meet somebody for lunch. You know, I have a lunch, I'd say three out of four days. Um, what time do you go for lunch? Usually around one o'clock. My podcast, I usually do end up doing twice, at least twice a week. My podcast, one day a week, I take brands of the week. Another way a week, I take an interview. 
Um, I'll do stuff like this. There's always random things that come up. Um, I'm a, I take a 45 minute nap every day. Now this is for your younger viewers, not something they should be doing. Okay. This yeah. 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 Like I just, I, I my sister, cause I go out every night. Uh, I don't, don't want to go out nightclubbing, but I'm out for dinner every night and I find Do that, you? You go every night for, you go out for dinner every I night? I go out for dinner pretty much every night. Yeah. Um, how do you stay so like svelte then? Like, are you eating the yeah, same thing every yeah, night? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I eat fish, I eat chicken, you know, I mean, you just eat well you, you and I exercise a lot and, you know, do you so, go to the same place for dinner over and over again? No, so you know, what you know yeah. In New York, you have your 10 places you go to, you know, you know, I mean, you don't, you're not experimenting all the time because you want to know it's your place and you, the food is right and you're taken care of. So New York, although it's a huge city, everybody kind of creates their own little, neighborhood right you know uh not that doesn't mean i go just in my neighborhood but you know uh and you know i have a big circle of friends um i'm single right now and you have three kids though i have three right? daughters yeah three i have daughters. a grown daughter who i'm actually a grandfather who has a uh a one-year-old and then i have a 18 year old that we're waiting to hear from colleges on this week oh wow and I, have a 14, and I have a 14 year old and so all girls and if i had six more kids they'd all be girls and i love having girls do you have kids? Oh, wow. Yeah, I have two small ones. I have six, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. I have oh, a boy wow. and a girl. Yeah, I love little girls. I think little girls are the greatest thing. I, if I had boys, I'd love boys also, but I love having little girls. Yeah, no, I, I love my little girl. That's for sure. I love my little boy too, but I, you know, I love both. Don't get right. me wrong. But uh, okay, so wait, so you wake up around that time, you have your breakfast, you work out. How long is your um, your first well, workout? And do you do body part daily or do you do I like do, upper body, lower body? I do two body parts a day. Uh, it's usually about an hour. Yeah, that kind of thing. It's usually about an hour. Um, my cardio is usually 45 minutes late in the day. Um, so between my podcast two or three times a week, my TV two or three times a week, managing my portfolio, uh, doing things like this, my workouts, my lunches, uh, it's not a terrible life. No, it's a great life. So, um, what was the one more one other question I had about your routine? So you have now I know you eat this the the sashimi for lunch. You have that dinner. You have that for. Do you have any snacks? Are you a vegan? Do you eat? Do you not eat anything? Do you take no, supplements? I, I don't really have snacks. I don't take supplements. Um, no supplements at all. I take a vitamin. I take a multivitamin, uh, but no, nothing fancy or anything like that. You know. Right. Um, um, I eat as I said. I'll you know I eat well at night, but I. But I'm, really, if you think about it, during the day, if you go, okay, on a, on a, let's say on a workout, each workout I burn, I'll just say 500 calories, okay? So that's 1,000 calories. I'm not putting 1,000 I'm, – I'm not – I'm probably putting 500 calories in my body. So I'm going into the night net negative yeah, 500 deficit. calories. Yeah. You know, so I can eat a good meal. I'm not going to sit there and eat veal parmesan every night, you know, but I can have a chicken and a fish and I'll have a piece of red meat once a week steak, you know, I mean, so – I eat well at, at dinner. I don't gouge, and and also then I'd say once every two weeks I'll I'll gouge. I'll have veal parm and some pasta, and and you just get right back on it. You know, right? Um, I find that particularly at my age, there's a tremendous difference between like forty year olds look like forty year olds. You know, for the most part. But I find at my age when I see both men and women, there can be what look like a twenty year delta between totally and it's not just physical appearance it, it's everything it's the it's the lives they're leading like i have friends my age who are already spending their winters in in florida and, and i'm not putting that down but i think all of that adds to your age you know um and i try i have young kids 
I have younger friends. I have a lot of friends my age also. But to me, vitality is is everything. Uh, that's we want to, and it's not about being young. It's about it's where we started. It's about wow. I want to be doing stuff so that I feel very vital at my age because. You, the interesting thing about aging is you really age out of like, I mean, the demos, the oldest demo that advertisers even think about is 54. Right. You know, like, like I don't exist, you know, so know. <laughs> you have to create your own relevance, you know, it's, it's true, yes. and, I, and it's really interesting. <laughs> All my friends, I've never heard so much more talk about age because when you're in your fifties, you can um, spin middle age and go, okay, you know, I was 50, that's middle age, I'm 55, you know, once you're north of 60, you you can't spend middle age anymore. It's just like, you just can't, you just go, even if I live to 90. Okay. Totally. And, 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 you, and here's the thing that everybody says, how many great years do you have left? Great to find that as you can still physically do what you want. You, still, you know, you know, yeah, you might live to 84, but are you having a great time at 84? You know? Right. So I have exactly. a lot of my friends now who led very full successful lives who are very in the mode of, I want to enjoy. I, now, enjoy can be working twenty four seven, or enjoy can be sitting on a beach, whatever that means. But that you know, you don't have an infinite amount of a plus years anymore. A plus defined as healthy. Totally, I can still I can still go run five miles if I want. You know, at a certain age, I'm not going to be able to. I are you doing that? I actually don't ride do elliptical. I don't run, you know. I think basically you've answered like all of my questions. All right, well, this was I, uh, Jen. This was fantastic. You're amazing. Thank you. you. You've you built, you've carved out a great niche for yourself. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. Let me tell you. Thank you for having me on. It's been a real honor. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Don't hang up though. I need to get your, Oh, first of all, before I will do it, we'll, we'll finish this and then you're going to stay on for a second. But for people who you want, okay. So everyone listen to on brand with Donnie Deutsch, where can they follow you? You don't, you have a book that's been out. Well, it's a little bit of a older book, but oh, right. can they still buy your book? Sure. sure. Um, often wrong, never in doubt. Uh, they follow me, follow me on Instagram. Uh, that's kind of my name or Twitter. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. 
as long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast, or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.